Praise the Lord, everybody. How's everybody doing? All right. Good week. Good week. Good week. Come on, declare it. Good week. All right. Anybody looking forward to this week? Anybody looking forward to a great week this week? Praise God. Praise God. Amen. We want to welcome you here to Hope Haven Church, uh, real church where we reach, we evangelize, we accept, and we love, and we're happy to have everyone here on today. Uh, weather's a little gloomy, but God is still here. I'm going to say it again. Weather's a little gloomy, but God is still here. Amen. Isn't that what matters? Amen. Amen. So uh, we're going to get right into the word of God. How many of you have been enjoying this uh, First Samuel series? Praise God. You guys been rolling with me? All right, so today we're at 1 Samuel 7. Uh, we're going we're gonna to keep going. We're going to keep going. Um, the way I looked at this, we're going to be going through 1 Samuel uh, into the new year. So um, we got a lot to tackle, uh, but today we're going to go to the seventh chapter. Samuel, the second, seventh chapter. Uh, when you get there, say amen. amen. Praise God. Look, y'all ready. Y'all like, I, I already knew what the scripture was before I got to church. Amen. Amen. All right. So we're going to run through this whole entire chapter. Uh, But before we get to the seventh chapter, I just want to give you a recap for those of you that may have missed Bible study on Wednesday night. Uh, Last Sunday, we talked about how Eli and his sons have died at this point. Y'all remember last Sunday? And the ark had been taken. And when the Ark of the Covenant had been taken and it went into the hands of the Philistines, the Philistines decided that they were going to put the Ark of the Covenant in the same temple as their God uh, for two reasons. One reason to show their God that uh, we captured the enemy's God. So as a reward of our victory, we're presenting the Ark of the Covenant to Dagon. Dagon is a mermaid. What's Ariel's dad's name in The Little Mermaid? Triton? Triton. He looks like Triton. All right. He's got a male body, but he's got a fish. He's got a male uh, torso at the top, but he has a fish tail. All right. So he looks like the Little Mermaid. Daddy. All right. Uh, So watch this. They put the Ark of the Covenant in the same temple as Dagon. Y'all remember this scripture? And the next morning they wake up. And when they wake up, what happens? Dagon is laying, he can come with me. If he gonna cry, he can stand here with daddy. He's laying prostrate before who? God, that's right, you gonna stand right here. I'm gonna do what my parents used to do to me. Now sit here and let everybody look at you. Said you wanna act up. Amen. Y'all remember that? (laughs) Look, he ran right back. Dagon is what, laying? prostrate where? Before God. So what happens? What do they do? Rather than them recognizing that there's something in this Ark of the Covenant, what do they do? They pick Dagon right back up and put him beside the true and the living God. And the next morning they wake up again. And what happens? Dagon's laying there with his head chopped off and his hands chopped off, which symbolizes that he has no intellectual ability, nor does he have any control over the situation. God is in complete control. So what happens here? They decide that they want to get rid of the Ark of the Covenant because it's causing too much confusion. Watch this. Rather than acknowledging that this God has power, I'd rather kick the power out so I can deal with the God that meets my convenience. So we talked about this in 1 Corinthians, the sixth chapter. Know ye not that your body is a temple of God. Now watch this. They put the Ark of the Covenant where? In the temple. And what happens when God dwells in the temple with any other idols? It cannot stand. And what that means is when the Holy Ghost is really filled in your body, there's nothing that can stand against the power of God. I don't know about y'all, but when you really have the Holy Ghost, and I don't want to sound all old school, but when you really have the Holy Ghost, there are certain things that have to fall out of your life. There are certain convictions. There are certain things that you say, you know what, I can't do that no more. I, I, I don't feel right being in that certain certain type of situation. I don't feel right being in these certain type of relationships. So what happened, what is happening is, is the glory of God is raising up in your temple and it's tearing down any type of false idols that is hindering your worship. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen. Y'all with me today? We're going to walk through this Bible today. So now they decide that they're going to send the Ark of the Covenant back, but they want to make sure that God is in it. 
They want to make sure that if I'm going to send the Ark of the Covenant back, that God is really in this. And this is just no fluke that Dagon is falling. Maybe Israel is sending somebody in in the middle of the night to knock our God over. So what we're going to do to make sure that this isn't a fluke is we're going to test the power of God. And let me tell you something. You can never test the power of God because God will always prove himself to be true. So what do they do? They put this, they, they find two cows who are unyoked. They find two cows who are unyoked, watch this, meaning that they've never been in a situation where they've been under control before. They're wild cows. It also means that they took the blinders off of them so that they would be distracted. These cows were new mamas. So what do they do? They take the cows' babies away from them. Now you can imagine in a natural thing as a human being what it's like to take a newborn baby away from a mother. There's a distraction there. Not only is there a distraction there, but mothers can attest to this, that after you have a baby, uh, you go through that lactose situation. Y'all know what I mean. I don't want to get too crazy, but you can hear a baby cry and it does something to your body. So they have the calves in another barn screaming out while this cow is sitting here under uh, with no yoke and has a responsibility to get to a place called Beth Shemesh, which belongs to the priesthood. Now watch this. They put the Ark of the Covenant on these cows and they say, if God is true, none of these things that we did to them will stop them from getting to where God has them assigned to be. This is is, is an analogy of our own personal lives, that there are times in our life where distractions happen, where things happen, and the enemy wants to see whether or not you'll get to your destination or whether or not you'll become confused and you'll become distracted and you'll walk away from your assignment. But what the enemy doesn't understand is that the Ark of the Covenant is on the cow's back. And when the glory of God is on your life, you can go through distractions but not stop. Do I got anybody in here? When God is on your side, you'll have all types of situations come up against you, but it won't stop you from getting to your assignment. And by the time they get to the land of of Beth Shemesh, they recognize that God was involved in this. So now they get to Beth Shemesh. I'm, I'm just giving y'all a recap. And when they get to Beth Shemesh, this is a city that belonged to the Levites. The Levites see the Ark of the Covenant coming and they're so excited because it's back. But they're not prepared to handle the things of God. They have zeal, but they have no word. I'm going to say that again. They have zeal but they don't have word. And it's a terrible thing to have a church full of zeal, but no word. We can have a hundred praise breaks, but if we don't have no foundation in God, it's nothing but a dance party. And what this is symbolizing here is Israel is nothing but a dance party. One, two, three. Count of three, four people get a miracle. All of that, but no power. It's power when you can praise God in spirit and in truth. Anybody ever, anybody ever have a moment like that when you really, you really think of the goodness of Jesus? Or you really start going through the word and that worship hits you when you begin to think about the power of God and the lamb of God and the blood that was slain. And now he went to Calvary's cross and just reading the scriptures alone will bring tears to your eyes. That's real worship. So they see the Ark of the Covenant. They have an excitement because it's here, but they don't know how to handle what's there. So what do they do? They handle it wrong and they start dying. They handle God's things, the things of God wrong, and they start dying. And watch this. And now, rather than go into the word to rectify why they're dying, they put God into exile. Rather than going into the word of God to see why I'm going through what I'm going through, I'd rather get rid of God than study his word on how to fix this situation so that I can be pleasing in his sight. So what do they do when we get to this chapter here? They now 
send the ark of the Lord to Abinadab's house on the hill. Watch this. Kareth Jerem, translated, means the city of woods. Y'all with me? Kareth Jerem means the city of woods. Watch this. So not only am I going to put God in exile, but I'm going to put him in the woods so I don't see him. Not only am I going to get him away from me, but I don't even want to see him. I don't want to see the glory. I don't want to see this thing that has brought turmoil on my life, so I put him in the woods to hide him. And many of us have been in situations where we try to hide the glory of God in our life. What are you saying, Pastor Joel? <laughs> you know you're getting ready to do something wrong. So you put your Bible in your nightstand. <laughs> you're getting ready to tell somebody about themselves and you're getting ready to speak your mind. And you turn that worship music down. You're trying to hide God so that he doesn't see your sin. But you can't hide God. They try to put God in the woods so that they can do their thing. They try to put God somewhere and say, now I can do my thing because God ain't seeing what I'm doing. Now watch this, but it's only so long that you can dive in sin and not get sin sick. Y'all with me? Amen. They now, the men of Kareth Jerem came for the ark of the Lord, took it to Abinadab's house on the hill. They consecrated his son Eleazar to take care of it. Eleazar is not a priest. So what they consecrated him for was just to make sure nobody touched the Ark of the Covenant. They consecrated his son Eleazar the priest to take care of it. Watch this. Time went by until 20 years had passed since the Ark had been taken to Kareth Jerem. They tried to hide God for 20 years. Wow. In the woods. Y'all with me? Amen. Then the whole house of Israel began to seek the Lord. There's another translation I love. It says they begin to long for the Lord. I'm going to take my time. I promise you we're going to go somewhere in a minute. They begin to long for the Lord. Because you can try to hide from him, but after a while, you begin to become empty. Amen. It's 20 years, but they're still empty. They ran away from church, but they're still empty. They ran away from God, but there's still this emptiness inside of them. And now 20 years has passed. You thought you was running away from God. And now you find out that you're more empty without him than you were with him. Amen. My question is, where is Samuel during this point? Where is Samuel at for these last 20 years? Because now he's the judge and he's also the priest. Eli is dead. Where is Samuel? Y'all quiet. Can I help you? Samuel was doing what he was supposed to be doing. He was preaching the word. He was sowing seed. He was doing all the things that he was supposed to do, but you can't change people's hearts. No matter how much we love people, they have to make the decision to be followers of Christ, not us. And sometimes God will make you sit there and watch people you love suffer until they submit to God because there's nothing you can do. Imagine preaching for 20 years and nobody joining the church. 
Imagine preaching to your family for 20 years and they say, get out of my face with all that church stuff. I ain't got time for all that. Imagine you trying to share the gospel and ah, I'll get to it when I'm ready. Imagine you walking to them trying to witness to them and I don't get down with all that Christian stuff because that church stuff is a bunch of hypocrites. But Samuel keeps on pushing. He never stops his assignment. And we find out for 20 years, Samuel preached the gospel and no one was converted. Because it's not a head issue, it's a heart issue. Yes. Amen. Amen. Y'all quiet. I don't care how smart I am theologically in this Bible. If the Holy Spirit does not transform the heart of the person I'm speaking to, I'm giving them nothing more but facts. Amen. And as we're learning in 2019, with this president, facts mean nothing. People need an experience. And now 20 years later, the people finally realize that Samuel knew what he was talking about. We complain over church growth. <laughs> Imagine preaching 20 years and your church never grows. Next verse. So they're longing for God. Samuel told them, if you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, get rid of your foreign lowercase gods and the Asherahs that are among you. Dedicate yourselves to the Lord and worship who? Only uppercase him. If you don't want to be empty, watch this, get rid of anything foreign that is not like God out of you. <sighs> I know this is boring, but I'm going to go somewhere in a minute. Who is Asheroth? Asheroth is the God of sex, the God of love, and the God of war. It's the female God and counterpart to Baal. <coughs> and what Samuel was saying is that if you want God to be your whole God, you got to get rid of any extra gods because you need to realize it's been 20 years and ain't none of these gods saved you. If Asheroth was all that, you wouldn't be longing for the Lord. If Asheroth was all that, you wouldn't be crying out for repentance. So why are you holding on to something that has not helped you for 20 years? Get rid of it and trust God. Amen. We have to understand that when we first come to God, there's some baggage we bring. Hey, all right, I'm, I'm going to talk about myself. There's some things we think we can't live without. There's some things we think we need. And we never experience the complete transformation of God until we finally release those things from our life. Amen. Amen. And what Samuel is saying to Israel is I want to give you a release, but you have to release those things that are battling against my word. Dedicate yourselves to the Lord and worship who? Him only. You can't worship Asheroth. You can't worship them gods. You can't worship those addictions. You can't worship them relationships. You can't worship them friendships. You can't worship that job. You can't worship that finance. You can't worship all those things that make you feel good for just a moment. In order for me to do the complete work in you, you're going to have to completely dedicate yourself to me and worship me alone. And let me tell you something. If you seek me first in my kingdom, all those other things will be added to you. But I want to see if you can worship me alone. Then he will rescue you from the hand of the Philistines. I can't rescue you from something that you're still holding on to. So the Israelites, watch this, remove the Baals, the male gods, and the Asherahs, and only worship who? The Lord. Next verse. Samuel said, watch this, gather all Israel at 
Mizpah. Now, up to this point, I know I'm, I'm talking a lot of geography, but I'm, I hope y'all with me. Up to this point, all we heard about was Shiloh. Chapters one through six, all y'all heard about was Shiloh. But now we see that he's moving them from Shiloh to Mizpah. Mizpah means the watchtower. I'm moving you to the place of the watchtower. And I will pray to the Lord on your behalf. When they gathered at the watchtower, they drew water and poured it out in the Lord's presence, symbolizing that they were pouring out themselves to God so that God can fill them. Yes. Showing to God that I'm going without so that you can fill me with your presence. Amen. When was the last time we poured out our issues to God so that God could fill us up? Mm. When was the last time you went to God and you laid it all? You didn't fight. Come on, let's be honest, y'all. Some of y'all nudging some stuff right now and God is saying, I want to I want to handle it. But you say, uh, I, I, basically what you're really saying to God is, I don't trust you. I'm afraid to step out. Because I don't know if you really got my back. <sighs> All right, I'm the only one that's been there. I, 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 I want to walk on water, but what if I drown? I will never experience the complete miraculous move of God in our life until we surrender it all to him. Amen. And what them doing here, it's called a drink offering. They're pouring out everything. They're not filling themselves with their own. They're saying, God, I'm pouring out this water because you're the living water. Y'all yes. yes. remember Jesus with the woman at the well? He told her to go fetch some water. She said, I can't fetch you no water. I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. We ain't supposed to be seen together. He said, woman, if you knew who I was, you'd be. <laughs> that ain't nothing but just some temporary water. Water I, I won't give you is everlasting. Then he goes a step further in another scripture and he says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. What they're doing is they're pouring out natural water so that the living water can fill them. They fasted that day and there they confessed. Look at this. If thou confess with thy mouth, uh -huh. we have sinned against the Lord. Watch this. And now Samuel can do his job. What is Samuel's assignment? What is his title? Judge. judge. He couldn't judge until they confessed their sins. Meaning, I can't teach you the word until you're free to accept the word. There's some people here today, but I can't preach to you. Because you have your own ideology in your mind. You've created your own theology. Can't nobody tell you nothing. I can, I can preach till I'm blue in the face and show you every scripture under the sun. But until you confess your sins, you have a hardened heart. So I can't do my job effectively with you because your sinful nature is overruling your spiritual nature in order to accept the word that God is trying to feed your soul with. So Samuel is finally able to do his job 20 years in after the people fasted, confessed, and poured out. Next verse. <laughs> When the Philistines heard that the Israelites had gathered at Mizpah, their rulers marched up toward where? Israel. Watch this. Devil, you picked the wrong time. I done confessed. I done poured out. I done, I done went to God. I done emptied out. I done got right. And now you want to try to get busy. Ain't that just like the devil? And you know why? Because the devil is just like half of us that's looking at Kanye West right now. I don't know if that's real. So I'm going to test his salvation. I'm going to test 
your salvation to see whether or not you're about this real church thing that you're talking about now. It's cool that you go into church every Sunday. It's cool that you preach a little bit now. It's, it's cool that you're doing worship. It's cool that you're doing this and that. But you know what? I want to see whether or not this is just some little fluke that you're going through, some little phase. So I'm going to test you. And that's the way the devil works. If anybody has that testimony, you know, when you first got saved, the devil worked overtime. Yeah. You was on your way to church and things would break out. People would mess with your nerves and things would happen. And all that was was the Philistines trying to test whether or not you were real about your salvation. But when you're real about your salvation, yes, sir. Go ahead. Preach. nothing Go ahead will get in the way of what God has called you to do. Y'all with me? So now the Philistines heard that the Israelites gathered in Israel. Their rulers marched up towards Israel. When the Israelites heard about it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. The Israel said to Samuel, don't stop crying out to the Lord. Watch this. I, I, I'm not going to stop worshiping God because the enemy is after me. Go ahead. What the enemy wants you to do is he wants you to stop worshiping. But the Israelites basically said, Samuel, don't stop praying. Yes. Before we go back, we're going to completely trust in the Lord. Can I talk to somebody today? I know I sound like I'm hollering and screaming, but I'm talking to somebody today right now because the enemy is trying to mess with your spirit. And what you got to do right now is you can't stop praying. You got to completely trust God. You can't go back because there's victory if you can just hold on just a little bit longer. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Don't stop crying out to the Lord our God for us so that he will save us from the hand of the Philistines. Watch this. Next verse. Then Samuel what? Took what? A young lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering where? To who? To the Lord. Capital L. Capital O. Capital R. Capital D. Jehovah. Yes, sir. <sighs> I, I, I can work that. He took what? A young lamb. A young lamb. Mm -hmm. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission, is no remission of sin. Yes, yes. So in order for my sins to completely be washed away, yes. a lamb had to be slain. Yes, sir. Mm. So this is deeper than Samuel just taking the lamb. This is Samuel symbolizing Christ yes, yes. being crucified for us yes. when the enemy was coming towards us. Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm going to show you here real quick. Y'all quiet. When the enemy came in like a flood, yes. the spirit of the Lord, what? Lifted up a standard yes. against it. So now Samuel now has shed some blood. And now the enemy has plans, but because the blood is there. Yes. Because Christ has been slain. Oh my. Because Christ has been crucified for us. Everything that the enemy has planned against us, it cannot work. Y'all with me? He cried out to the Lord on the behalf of Israel. And what happened? The Lord answered him, which means that the Lord was pleased with their sacrifice. Yes. Next verse. Samuel was offering the burnt offering as the Philistines drew near to fight against the Israelites. Watch this. As the enemy is coming, Samuel doesn't stop worshiping. <laughs> Y'all with me? Samuel is offering a burnt offering. Watch this. And there's an army of thousands of men coming towards him, trying to hinder him from completing his worship. I don't, I don't know if y'all can see this. Imagine thousands of army men marching towards you with swords, with shields, with fire, with stakes, and you keep worshiping. You don't stop. <laughs> the enemy's getting ready to come and destroy you, but 
you realize that my worship is more important than anything that's trying to come up against me. Yes, Cancer's coming at you, but you're still worshiping. Yes, Sickness is coming at you, but you're still worshiping. Yes. Things are happening on your job, but you're still worshiping. Things are happening in your family, but you're still worshiping. And nothing stops you from your worship. Let me tell you something. If you can worship through a storm, the storm has to back up. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Who am I talking to in here today? If you can worship through whatever you're going through, I don't know who I'm talking to. If you can worship through whatever you're going through, that thing has to back up. Samuel does not stop worshiping even though his enemies are drawing, drawing near. Amen. Samuel is not just offering a offering, but Samuel at one point was an offering. I'm going to say that again. Samuel was not just offering an offering, but Samuel also was an offering. Can I share something with you? Sometimes the prayers of prior generations are working on your behalf right now without you even knowing it. There's some Ferguson prayers with Kara's name on it. That's it. I believe it. And favor is opening for you and you don't even understand that your grandma prayed yes. 20 years ago. Yes. And now you're walking into favor saying, what is going on? And you don't even understand grandma prayed ahead, that her grandchildren ahead, will have victory in their life. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Yes, Help me, Jesus. So now you're just walking in victory, walking in favor, walking in grace, and you're praying. Praise God. You're, he, he's moving for you. But you understand, you don't even understand the door was already open before you even prayed. Can I go somewhere real quickly? So now we go to 1 Samuel, the second chapter in the 10th verse. And when we go to 1 Samuel, the second chapter and the 10th verse, Hannah is praying. Yes, sir. We got to go back five chapters. And when Hannah prays, she says, those who oppose, who oppose the Lord will be shattered. He will what? And the heavens against them. If you oppose the Lord, you will be shattered and he will thunder in the heavens against you. Now watch this. Let's go back to the, to the, to the verse we were just reading in the seventh chapter. What does she say? If you oppose the Lord, what happened? Uh-huh, let's keep going. Go back to the sixth or seventh verse. When the Philistines heard that the Israelites had gone, next verse. Next verse. Samuel was offering a burnt offering as the Philistines drew new to fight against him. The Lord, what? He heard Hannah's prayer five chapters earlier. Samuel thinks it's his worship, but it was his mama's worship that gave him the victory. <laughs> Y'all quiet here. So Samuel and the people of God think that this is a right now move. When the move had already been prophesied by his mama when she was pregnant with him. I thank God that there's victory in Ayana, Alana, JJ, and Joel, jo JJ and Jason's life. I've already prayed. And when college comes, victory's already there. Yeah. When they start looking for careers, victory's already there. Yeah. When things start happening, victory's already there. Yeah. And they gonna think they have something to do with it. But let me tell you something, God's already been interceding back in 2019 before you get to 2039. Yeah. Go ahead and breathe. Yes, sir. The blessing was already there. Are y'all with me? The prophecy had already been spoken. Samuel was offering a burnt offering, but Hannah's offering was heard when it was needed. Y'all with me? Samuel was offering an offering, but Hannah's offering was being heard. Which means that Samuel's offering it's going to come in handy later on because later on the world is going to need a lamb y'all yeah. <laughs> missed it God, God is answering Samuel's prayer with Hannah's prayer yeah. 
because Samuel's offering is going to be needed for us. Yes, sir. Y'all listen. What is his offering? His offering is the lamb. And when we needed somebody to, to be sacrificed for us, because the Philistines of sin was coming against us, Jesus remembered Samuel's lamb. And he says, you know what? I got to honor it. And he sent his lamb. And his lamb's name was Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you're praying for stuff and you don't even realize that it's being moved in the future. For this we know that all things work together for the good of them and the called according to what? His purpose. The Lord thundered loudly against the Philistines that day and threw them into such confusion that they fled before Israel. Once again, God did all the work. Then the men of Israel charged out to Mizpah and pursued the Philistines, striking them down all the way down to the place below Bethkar. They didn't have to fight. All they had to do was charge. God had already given them the victory. All they had to do was wipe it out. Next verse. Afterwards, Samuel took a stone, set it upright between Mizpah and Shin, and named it Ebenezer, explaining the Lord has helped us to this point. Can we talk for a minute? Y'all got a little time? Y'all got a little time real quick? The last time we heard about Ebenezer, Eli had died. The last time we heard about Ebenezer, Hophni and Phinehas had died there. The last time we heard about Ebenezer, Phinehas' wife had given birth and died and had a child named Ichabod. The last time we heard about Ebenezer, the ark of the Lord had been taken. The last time we heard about the, the Ebenezer, chaos had broke out in Israel's life. But now they're back. Now y'all missed it. Now they're back. The place where you were destroyed, the place where you were abused, the place where you were hurt, the place where you were destroyed, the place where you were left for dead, this is for me. God's going to take you back and show you I've been your help. And that place that you looked at that was the lowest place in your life is going to play, be the place that you're going to revisit. And it's going to be now known as a place of victory. Because I didn't let you die there. So I'm going to bring you back as a memorial to show you of where I bought you from. I'm going to bring you back of a place to where you should have died from. And that's going to be your Ebenezer to show you that I was your help the whole time. He changed a place that was known for murder, for issues, for pain, into a place of victory. And he set a stone there as a memorial of victory so that when generations would come back, they wouldn't remember the pain. They would remember the victory. Amen. Your testimony should be more about your victory yes. than your pain. Yes, we've all had some trials and tribulations in our life. But God's going to bring you back. And when he brings you back, he's going to bring you back with victory. So the Philistines were subdued. Watch this. And did not invade Israel's territory. What? Again. The Lord's hand was against the Philistines all of Samuel's life. As long as Samuel lived, the Philistines had no victory. I'm going to go a step further. 
Because we understand Samuel's eventually going to die. But Samuel is a type of Christ. And as long as Christ lives, <laughs> we have the victory. Amen. Yeah, this makes sense. So we have victory over the grave. We have victory over sin as long as he lives. So as long as Samuel was alive, the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines. Next verse. The cities from Ekron to Gath. This is where Goliath's from. We're going to hear about Goliath in the next couple chapters. Watch this. And Goliath is going to show up right before Samuel dies. Which they had taken from Israel were restored. Israel even rescued their surrounding territories from where? Philistine control. There was also peace between Israel and the Amorites. I want you to read that scripture right there because what that is basically saying is that the Amorites heard what God did against the Philistines and the Amorites said, I don't want no problems. <laughs> Which means that sometimes there's some other stuff that wants to creep up but when they see how God handled that last thing, I don't want no problems with you. God is on your side. And Samuel judged Israel throughout his life. This is my favorite part. Next verse. Every year, he would go on a circuit between Bethel, Gigal, and Mizpah, and would judge Israel at all these locations. Every year, he would go on a circuit to Bethel, Gigal, and Mizpah, and would judge Israel at all these locations. Every year he would go. Now, I want you to see the power and the victory of this. You're with me? Who was Samuel's predecessor? And what did Eli do? But what did Samuel do? <laughs> Y'all missed it. Eli was sitting in one place at Shiloh. But Samuel was moving. Watch this. Sharing the word to Bethel, Gigal, and Mizpah all the days of his life. Meaning that if he felt like something was out of control, he didn't sit there with his eyes closed like Eli. He confronted the sin, preached to it, and went to the next city and gave them the word too. Eli allowed his sons to sin because he wouldn't get up. Amen. Eli allowed Israel to go into a chaotic turn because he sat. If we want to see change in the kingdom, we got to go. Amen. So, this is showing us the difference between Eli and Samuel. But let's go a step further. He didn't just preach to everybody else. He would return to Ramah because his home was there. Yes. And he judged Israel there too. Meaning I didn't just preach to your kids, but I preached to my kids too. Yeah. Yes. All right, I'm going to leave this alone. In the next chapter, I'm giving y'all a head start for Wednesday. In the next chapter, Samuel's sons start acting just like Eli's sons. But the difference between Samuel and Eli was Eli turned his head. Samuel's boys knew the word. It's a difference when I raised you right and you do what you want to do than me turning my head and acting like I didn't give you the word. That's it, that's it, that's it, amen. You preach. So there's two different parenting styles. So it also gives us comfort in knowing that if we're doing our rightful job as parents and our children decide to do whatever they wanna do, we did what we were supposed to do by giving them the word. That's it, amen. amen. <clears throat> so I'm not just gonna tell Bethel they going to hell, Gigal they going to hell, and Mizpah, they going to hell. 
but I'm going to go to Rama and act like my sons got it all together. I'm going to tell them they're going to hell too. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to get up here every Sunday and tell y'all how y'all got to live holy and I don't preach holiness in my house. Y'all quiet. I'm not going to get up here and give y'all biblical principles and I don't apply biblical principles to my house. Because if I do that and I don't apply it to my house, then I'm a hypocrite. So Samuel returns to his home. He judged Israel there. And not only did he judge Israel there, but he built an altar there to the Lord to let people know that my house is holy. So his sons, and I don't want to go to the next chapter because we could preach that. His sons were without any excuse. They were instructed in the ways of the Lord, and we would know that because I'm sure Samuel saw the way Eli looked the other way with his sons. So he made sure that he instructed his sons properly, but his sons did what they wanted to do. It is, I was talking to a friend of mine, he shared with me, he said, it is not our job to save people. Y'all like, huh? No, 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 Jesus saves. It's our job to give them the gospel, to share with them the gospel. And it's up to them on whether or not their heart will accept what we give. And we can't constantly convict ourselves because people made a choice that they don't want to worship. It pains us. Y'all seen Paul back in, in Romans. He said, if I could, I switch, I switch seats with my people in Israel. Praise Paul. Praise God for Paul. <laughs> I'm going to give you the gospel. And I'm going to enjoy Jesus. Hallelujah. Not hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> we got to move from trying to be everybody's savior to understanding that I've done what I'm supposed to do. I've shared with you the gospel. I've shared with you the word. And I pray it falls on good ground. And that God does the transformation. But I can't spend the rest of my life trying to shake you into something that you don't want. Because you know what usually happens when you do that? You push people further away. Yes, exactly. When you become fanatical and you're just crazy in, in people's business, you actually push them further away than just sharing them, this is what I believe. This is what the Bible says. I don't want to hear it. Keep it moving. You know why he dusts their feet? Jesus told them dust their feet. Dust thou art, dust thou shall return. Uh, when we die, we turn to dust. So they don't want to hear the word. When they die, they turn to dust. Keep it moving. Can't save people. I'm going to give you these three points. I'm going to sit down and y'all can eat this wonderful food that Selena has prepared for the nourishing of our body in Jesus' name. Amen. I just pray for it. <laughs> when the Lord is your help, your enemies are subdued. Hmm. Now, we're not going to say you're not going to be antagonized, but they won't have victory. When you find yourself under attack, call on Jesus. Y'all hear me? Call on him. He'll give you the strength. Might not be what you want, but he'll give you enough to sustain. Number two, remain faithful to sharing the gospel, not saving people. Share the gospel. And can I tell you something? The greatest gospel you can share is your experience. You ain't got to throw a thousand scriptures at people that they've never heard before. What are the Gospels? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They are four stories told from the perspective of the people that saw him. What is your view? Does that make sense? What is your view? Share with me your view, not Kim's view. Because if I don't feel your Gospel is authentic, I don't receive it. Number three, eventually there will be a longing for the Lord. And I say this prophetically. 
that this world that we're seeing, that this thing that we're seeing right now is we're seeing the world groan. The world is groaning right now. They're groaning for something. And they're filling it with voids. And the voids aren't working. They're trying yoga. They're trying meditation. They're trying Kambala. They're trying all that great stuff. But can't nobody do me like Jesus. All that stuff is going to leave people. I don't know. I don't know Brother Kanye West's situation. But I pray it's sincere. He sounds sincere to me. Don't nobody just quit making billions of dollars to make a gospel album that you know you ain't going to make no money on. You ain't filling out stadiums. I pray. But I also believe that there had to be some type of void. And he said it in his interview recently. He said, I was filling it with addictions to porn and not pornography and all of that. He said, for years, since I was five years old, 42, for 37 years, I struggled with that addiction. And he said, it could not fill me. But when I met Jesus, he said, it's been life changing. And the world is getting ready to experience this thing. Don't be fooled by the media. Don't be fooled by the numbers. They saying millennials aren't going to church. They ain't going to certain churches. They gonna come to church. God is going to do his completed work because as we seen in earlier, the work has already been spoken. So it has to be accomplished. Father, we thank you for meeting us in this place on today, God. We thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your strength. Woo! Thank you, Lord, for just the intercessors and the prayers that have gone up before us, God, in our lives. And doors that have opened, God, that we didn't even know opened, God, for the people that were praying on our behalf that we didn't even know were praying. And God, we pray, God, that you hear our prayers, God, as we intercede, God. We ask, God, that you open doors for others, God, as we intercede and pray for them, God. For God, we understand that this gospel is not uh, uh, about ourselves. But God, when we pray, we pray for others, God, because God, this is a kingdom thing, a family thing. God, I hold my brothers and my sisters up in prayer on today in this place, God. I pray for those that are not here this Sunday, God. I ask God that you strengthen their hearts, strengthen their minds, God. God, if they're struggling in any areas, God, that you feel them. God, I send a special prayer today, God, that you pour us out. Pour out our impurities. Pour out, pour out the things that are unlike you, God. Pour out the things that we're struggling with, God, so that you can fill us up with your spirit. For God, we know, God, when you get deep down in us, nothing can stand beside you. And Lord, we thank you, God. We give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to partner with us or make a donation, please visit our site at www. Dot go, the number two, hopehaven.org. Our mission statement is to reach, evangelize, accept, and love. Your contribution will be a blessing to many in our local community, nationally, and even internationally. Again, thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more next week.